Business Class is brought to you by the Tourism Academy, harnessing the power of science, business psychology, and adult education to advance the tourism industry and build sustainable economies. Learn how to engage your community, win over stakeholders, and get more visitors at tourismacademy.org. I'm Scott Anderson. I'm the Artistic Director here at Tuacon Center for the Arts. Okay. How long have you been here, Scott? This is my 19th year, but I only count 18 because of COVID. So I've lost a year out of my life. I'm really only 64 years old instead of 65. I wish I was born in a leap year. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? (laughs) Yeah. So what drew you to this area? Well, I grew up in Southern California, L.A. area, but family in Utah, so we drive back and forth, and we always loved this area. And I think every member of my family, every brother and sister, has gone to college here at Dixie College to start with. And uh, so we always loved this area, and uh, married and had three kids here, and they all grew up here, and uh, I've always been a part of this area. And so was involved in the theater, in the college, as well as athletics, and just a natural attrition over to Tuacon from uh, living here in this community. What does it mean to you to be an artistic director? Well, a couple of things. One, it means fostering young artists, uh, and that could be directors, choreographers, writers, uh, actors, um, musicians, composers. Uh, It's great to see new works, and we try to promote that here as well as some established works. And it's also establishing relationships with other arts groups and organizations. We have a great relationship with Disney. We have a great relationship with NBC Universal. Those kinds of things that we've built here, and they've become a part of, of what we do. Frank Wildhorn, the composer, uh, one of only a few people ever to have three shows on Broadway at the same time. Just here, we're doing his show, Wonderland. So it's really neat to foster those kinds of relationships on behalf of Tuacom. So when it comes to fostering, um, you mentioned fostering relationships, fostering the artists. How does that play into the natural surroundings here? Well, that's a great question. If you look around, we're in a box canyon, all volcanic, you know, region from years and centuries past. But what's great about this place is an outdoor theater. And I worked in indoor theaters most of my life as well. And what we decided to do was embrace this environment rather than try and block it all off and just do what everybody does in a box. We said, let's just embrace it. We are different, so let's not pretend that we're not. Let's use the outdoor. Let's use all the little things that we have that work with this. And boy, has that really led to a great following from our subscribership to the actors wanting to come out here. Uh, our, our acting cast, we are a union theater. We, we make up a lot of Broadway veterans to uh, Tony Award winners to uh, regional talent, even some local kids that we use. And we use this environment, believe me, as much as we can. And that's, we have a flood that floods the stage from a previous production that was here. We have uh, flying that works in the outdoor. Um, we use, we had a giant 80 foot water screen that sheens down water that we use for Little Mermaid and project it on from the rear. Uh, we use those kinds of things that you can't do in a conventional proscenium indoor theater. And how do you see your organization 
bringing the community along with you on that ride to be to enjoy nature and to be stewards for the the region well that's the thing i'm probably most proud of uh, i'll tell you why when i came to college here i, I everybody always gives me different numbers but i'll guarantee it was under fifteen thousand people in the surrounding area and i'm not going to tell you when that was it was a long time ago but there's over two hundred thousand now and growing so this area, St. George, has been, out of the last 12 years, three times it's been the fastest growing city in the United States. What we're most proud of is when I first came here and started in the fall of 2004, the community thought that a private investor funded everything and nobody needed any money here. It's far from the truth. <clears throat> they put up the original $23 million, Hiram and Gail Smith. But after that, this thing, you know, was trying to make it every year and almost didn't every year until somebody stepped up and helped us. And we wanted the community to see that since this is more of a winter sport area because of the weather, it's nice in the winter. We have a lot of snowbirds that come here and there's 20 golf courses within, you know, 35 miles. We wanted this to be a summer additive to the economy. And everybody kind of laughed and said, well, nobody's going to come here in the summer. It gets to be 110 degrees. And we now are the number one economic engine in Southern Utah. Over $100 million comes through our gates from uh, early March through the end of the year, really, now with the shows, with the concerts and everything else. Now, Zion National Canyon is the number one overall engine, because, but they're federally funded, and, and, and it's great. But as far as we're bigger than golf, we're bigger than everything here. It's become that big. We see over 300,000 people. I think it was close to 330,000 last year. So it's gone from a rumor to the number one economic engine here in southern Utah. So that's how we've embraced the community, and they've embraced us. They love it. And the hotels love us, and the restaurants love us, and... Uh, even in these tough times, it's great. And we're having record ticket sales. It's outdoor. So we weren't as much affected by COVID as other parts of the country. When you think of the word tourist, what comes to mind? Well, that's really an interesting insight because a lot of people, a lot of theaters depend on their subscribership. And that's true. You go to a, a big, you know, metropolitan area like Vegas or even Salt Lake, and, you know, they've got millions of people around to attract. We, we don't. We're in the middle of this place, and yet we're a very large regional theater. So tourism to us is huge because we survive for years just on single ticket sales for people who are traveling through. Now we've built up our subscribership to over 21,000 people along with those tourists that come here. So they were the heart and soul of how this place was built because there weren't enough people in the community originally to really support us. So Wasatch Front is big for us to come down. Uh, we draw heavily from uh, LA up through uh, Nevada, Phoenix here now, uh, and up through the Wasatch Front. And, and even in Idaho, those that's our major corridor. And so tourism and tourists means visit the area, especially when they come through in the summer, seeing the, you know, the parks and everything else and go, wait a minute, there's this amazing theater, I can go watch a show. So we, that's a big part of us. Describe for me the last time you felt like a tourist. Um, probably this morning when I couldn't get into a, a restaurant for breakfast because it was so packed 
if you've been around here lately, it's hard to go in and, and, and get a seat. That's all over. And people coming through this time of year, the spring, you still have all the snowbirds here. It's packed. So I felt like a tourist guy. I couldn't even get a seat. And I live here and I've lived here for a long time. Uh, but I still feel like a tourist because every day when my friends come through, I said, what's to do around here? Well, I took them to Zion Park. I took them to Bryce National Park. We went up, hiked right here in the canyon. We went out and played tennis. Uh, you can play golf. It just has all these amenities, especially if you love the outdoors. <clears throat> when did you know that you wanted to be an artistic director or work in the theater? Well, I, I think I revealed my age earlier, and I don't mind that. Um, I feel a young. I feel young for my age. I still love what I do, and anyone who's found that passion in their lives, that you're doing what you love to do. I had an interesting uh, composite major in college. It was theater physical education. My minor was speech communication. So for 40 years, I coached high school football off and on. And then, but I, theater was what I decided to make my living with in the last 20 years. And that was my hobby and I, I love doing that. But um, I knew as a young person that I loved doing acting ever since I was in elementary school. I, way back, in the 80s, I got into artistic directing outside of, when you're an actor, especially when you have a family, your time is taken up. You gotta go to rehearsal and you miss out on certain things. And by getting into production and to directing, I was able to have more control of my schedule. And I like that end of it. What's something you would change about your work? Well, one thing, if, if you listen to everybody around the country right now, the arts have been hit harder than anyone else in this new job relocation environment post-COVID. Um, people have realized, wait a minute, what am I spending all this time and getting X amount of, I'm going to go find something else to do with my life. So we've had a tough time finding people, which we're doing very well at now, and we're getting ready to open, but it's been tough going out and finding people. So what does that mean? You put a lot of hours into this, and right now we're getting into technical rehearsals for our two shows. We do repertory. So we rehearse one show three days, and the next show three days. These are massive shows. We put millions of dollars into them. Our, our stage is 80 feet wide, so you gotta build twice the set you would in a normal place. It takes a lot of people's time. And because I've been in production, I don't feel badly about that, but scheduling people's lives post-COVID is really gonna be an issue now. Making sure that people are taking their time off, not getting burned out, making sure they're being paid what we can afford to pay and is a fair wage for people to put these kind of hours in. It's a whole new world really for us. So if you were to say to change it, I would have done that earlier. Really? Yeah. Um... What's something that you learned early on in your career and you still find yourself practicing every day? Um, you know, art's a beautiful thing. It can educate. And some people, that's all they want to do. They want to educate. And some hit you over the head with their message and other people want to just subtly inform you. And I love doing that too, but I also like to just entertain people. I find that the people that come here they work hard. They want to have their families with them. This is a family theater for what we promote. And I like entertaining people as much as I like educating people. 
because sometimes it's just great to see a family come in and watch a show and laugh together and walk out of this place a little more unified with a cultural experience, but as you know, a, a familial bonding that they wouldn't have had in any other place but live theater. And I have seen this influence children to adults. And the greatest feeling I get is standing up behind the audience, watching an emotional moment, a funny moment, a musical moment take place on stage and watching and hearing the audible reaction. It's visceral from, you know, the crowd and watching that what a diverse group of people we have walk out of here, but kind of unified in that, uh, in that, in a way, it's it's a theatrical bonding, but it's also more than that to certain people. Some people, the music touches them more. Some people, the dance moves them. And that's a really great experience to know that you're part of bringing that to hundreds of thousands of people a year. So if I were planning a trip for a group of tourists to this area and I wanted to build in an experience here at the theater, what else would you recommend I do? Outside of the theater? Well... I'll start with the theater and I'll move on if that's okay. One, not only do we do our outdoor theater stuff, and sometimes, you know, Mary Poppins might be for the more of the family, but we're also doing the Buddy Holly story in the indoor theater, live music. And uh, for an older age group that remembers when this music came out and you can go watch it recreated live on stage with professional musicians and actors, that's a great experience. I... Uh, all my friends and family that come here, I immediately take them to the national parks. It's the first thing I do, because I just know they're gonna be wowed by it. And that's probably the biggest thing that I do. If they're athletic, the golf around here is second to none. The tennis, the sports, the pickleball now, which seems to be big. It's an outdoor place. Last night I had uh, some artists here who hadn't been here and sat out and it was 75 degrees at. 10 o'clock at night and there wasn't a breeze like there is now and it was and they said is it like this all the time I said no not all the time but most of the time it's just an experience you have to come in and enjoy and and make sure that you enjoy it in the outdoor and that's where the theater comes in as well if you were to describe this region in one word what would you use well I've got to give you one word don't I uh, if I were to give you one word, I'd say ancestral. And may I define that Please. for you? If you look where our stage is, out, the outdoor stage, you'll see where the seats are that are raked up above. But if you pull the seats out, that's just a hill that's sitting there. It's a natural amphitheater that they found here 25 years ago. Somebody drove out on a forerunner and then walked up the rest of the way and stood at the top of that little hill there. And somebody had a piano down below and they had a bunch of people and they played it and they heard every word. That's a natural amphitheater that has been here for, depending on your geological beliefs, millions of years. I'd like to believe that some of our former native tribes for centuries, that was their gathering place where they could gather up on that hill and somebody could be down below speaking, performing, entertaining, whatever happened there. This place was that central gathering place for these ancestral founders of our great nation. So 
I like to think that every time we go out there and when our actors come and everyone else comes, we have our Native American groups here. They've given a blessing on this place and we always make them aware of that, that how this is tied in to those roots. And ancestral comes to mind when I think of that. What's something on your bucket list? Uh, boy, I gotta tell you, I'm, I was in my 50s and I kind of hit on my bucket list thing. So my kids said, Dad, get up and go do something else because you gotta go. So I had to reset a bunch of goals and things for me to do, which I'm doing. I would say that we've had a show travel from here to the West End. We had Aladdin here before it went to Broadway. But to actually produce an original show that would have a life after here that might go on to other venues, that would be the greatest thing we could. Now, we've done that with a few other shows, but maybe on to Broadway. West End was big, but that's kind of a big thing that would be kind of fun, an original that we put together. And who do you look up to as a mentor? I've had the unique experience of working with some of the greats in the theater industry. I look up to many people. Uh, I got, I, if, you, if you know who Hal Prince was, he's kind of the king of Broadway. I had some friends <clears throat> who invited me out to watch him direct shows and sit in on tech. And I, that was an amazing experience for me there. But recently, uh, Stephen Schwartz, Wicked and Pippin and everything, just an idol of mine since I've been a kid. Prince of Egypt came to be, and I had followed this from the beginning, even before they put it together. And I would write him and call him and his son, Scott, and say, hey, I've got this outdoor theater. I think this would be the perfect show for it. They got together with NBC Universal. They had a production in Palo Alto. They took it over to Denmark, which I saw as well. And I said, guys, we would love to do that here. And Mr. Schwartz came out. We talked about it. I was able to direct that show. He said, I'm going to stay a couple days and I'll help you and then we'll move on. He came out and saw the place, stayed for a month, was involved in every aspect of the production. And that was a thrill for all of us here, the artists, the, the staff, myself. So if I'm going to give you a living mentor, probably he was a great teacher to all of us and he was very generous. But um, <clears throat> I just like the idea of, of how you can touch lives through theater, as I expressed before. So my mentor would probably have to be Thespis. And when we hear what that word means, and I, unfortunately I bore my children and the actors with it all the time, but Thespis would be the original from the Greek theater in the chorus. It was the original actor who stepped forward either with a solo or their own line. So that first person that came out of the group and made the advent of the individual actor, that's probably where I go to when I start this whole journey. Is there anything I didn't ask that you wish I did? <laughs> no, 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 I was, I was impressed. You covered a wide variety of things, but uh, it was fun to even talk about those things because some of them are philosophical and some of those are, are heartfelt. Okay. And last, how would you like to be remembered? Um, as a family man, first and foremost, I have three children. I have 12 grandchildren. Most important thing to me in life. Nothing more important 
than that. Um, once that's accomplished, I would say someone who wasn't afraid to take a chance. And if you've ever produced theater, <laughs> you'll understand what that means. I've written, I've directed films and written films. I've directed, and these shows here are as big as anything you'll see anywhere in the country. So the last thing that I would, you know, I, I, if you could ever be called an artist, I think that's the highest compliment you can be paid. Fantastic. Thank you, sir. I Thank appreciate you. Your time. Appreciate yours.